Hey everybody, welcome to Food and Flights. This is episode nine. We are gonna be talking about the Lewiston Lodge. Let's get ready for takeoff. Today. Yeah. Allie, do you want to introduce our guests? Yeah, so our lovely guests for this podcast are none other than my mom and dad, Tim and Shannon LaPointe. They own the Lewiston Lodge here in Lewiston. Um, do one of you guys want to just give a little bit of background on the lodge as far as, you know, where you're located? Because not everyone's familiar with uh, the small town of Lewiston. Lewiston, Michigan. <laughs> Yeah, um, I'm Tim LaPointe. I'm Allison's dad. <laughs> I own the Lewiston Lodge. We bought it in 1993. Uh, Lewiston, Michigan's kind of a resort town. Um, we have a lot of lakes around here, so it brings up a lot of people from like anywhere, you know, downriver area up to Mount Clemens. It's a real uh, weekend place. It's, it's within three or four hours of uh, Detroit, so it's 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 a good weekend trip. Um, it's one of the reasons why we bought in this area. You know, we knew that eventually uh, we'd have, you know, hopefully it would grow and more and more business. So being a little closer to downstate as compared to the UP, um, uh, it just makes it closer to the city. Did you ever think about owning a restaurant was in your future, like when you were younger and you went to college, or was it just something that happened? Um, I didn't go to college, so... Okay. Um, no, I worked, I worked, uh, my dad was a commercial carpenter and he, um, had a couple stores, Little Caesars and, you know, I just thought it would be awesome to live up north, you know, to go, like I said, the UP would be great and anywhere up north, it kind of gives you that up north feeling. The east side of Michigan's a lot like the UP, not a lot of people, small towns, real resort town. Um, and like I said before, lakes are huge and we're on the water, so it's a big draw for us. We have a resort license. Um, we're one of the first places in the state to get a liquor license um, because the people that owned it at the time worked for um, the state and they knew prohibition was gonna be lifted. Um, place was built somewhere around the 20s, uh, mid 20s, and it was probably finished and opened. It was a Jewish resort back in the 20s, early 30s. Once prohibition was lifted, it opened up basically for a restaurant where people could stay here and and there was five or six rooms in the main restaurant part up on top. So they actually stayed in the restaurant. And then there was about, by the 50s, there was probably about 11 outbuildings on this property. The people that owned this property owned probably a quarter mile frontage on this lake. And they also own the island that's out on the, in the middle of our lake. Mm. Um, oh, East Twin Lakes, that. the lake we're on. It's about a, a little under a thousand acres. It's pretty big. But the people back then, they had a lot of, um, um, ties around here uh, yeah. either basically it was a, a holding pond for for logs when they timbered Michigan back in oh. before the 30s before you know um, and Michigan's been cleared like three times of timber like they've clear-cut Michigan three times to build basically Chicago San Francisco a lot of yeah. a lot of the wood came from this area so it became a resort town so 
you know, it was, like I said, it was within city distance, but it was far enough away to, you could feel like you were up north. We can ride our four-wheelers around here. Um, we're allowed to ride on the road in all these counties. So it really, it's a big draw for us, you know, so. Well, Dad, I'm going to chime in just for a minute because you actually had a cabin up here. So did you, you know, you were kind of familiar with the Lewiston area a little bit. But did you think you would actually want to buy right where your cabin was? Or was it just kind of an opportunity that came up? And Yeah, it was pretty much an opportunity. I mean, we were just looking um, to do something. I mean, Mom's much more educated than I am when it comes yeah. to what she wanted to do. Um, well, so going to that, um, Mom, a.k.a. Shannon, um, do you want to talk about what you kind of thought, like, your career path was going to be and what it turned into and how you kind of fit all into this? Yeah, I never thought that I would own a restaurant. I went to Michigan State um, to get an accounting degree and I thought that I was going to work for one of the big accounting firms down in Detroit and, you know, I grew up 20 miles south of Detroit. and So when Dad said that he didn't want to buy out the Little Caesars from his from his dad then we needed to start looking for something else and we looked at a couple places downriver. Um, I think he always knew he wanted to stay in the food business so that's kind of what we looked at. We looked at um, Al's Market up here in Gaylord. We looked at a bar called Mr. G's. It was attached to the bowling alley um, and then somebody just happened to say you know hey I bet the lady would sell this place. It wasn't actually on the market. Um, and we came in and it was really kind of funny. One of the funny stories is we came in on New Year's Eve and just to check out the place, whatever, sitting there. And, um, the person that was behind the bar was like, oh, I would go somewhere else for dinner and then come back here for the party. (laughs) Which kind of made us think, okay, maybe it is getting run down and she might think of selling it. So we ended up approaching her and uh, she made it very easy. Um, We just kind of took over her land contract and uh, we were able to get in. Yeah, she really um, worked with us a lot. I mean, she without Shirley, who, who sold us this place, we probably couldn't have did it. There was, there was, it was almost impossible unless you had a lump of cash or, you know, and we had to come up with a little bit, but it, she was, she let us gradually take over. Um, and, and they had other interests. I think to them, um, you know, it was a nice place. It just, unless you were going to work it at the time in the, in the early nineties, it was a lot different than what it is now. A little, a little more hardcore and the winter was a little tougher. Not as many people up here in the summer, um, but she made it really easy for us to step in and work with us good for a long time. And it was really hard for me because I've always been, like I said, I grew up down river. So you've always been close to all the shops and mm-hmm. whatever you need. It's really right. You weren't familiar with this area, no. right? And, um, so when I got up here, probably the first two years, uh, there were three or four times throughout the year that I had my bags packed and was like, <laughs> I'm, I'm out of here. I can't do this. I don't like the snow. Uh, there's no people. It's an hour and a half for me to drive to Traverse City to go to a shop, you know, to go shopping. So, uh, but I tell you what, you know, looking back now, I, I love that we were able to raise our kids here. Um, they, it, it, 
it's was a it's a great experience now. But I mean, I like I understand why Allison likes the city and wants to be out. She grew up here. It's a small town. You kind of want to see the bigger city for a while, but I guarantee one day she'll come back. <laughs> yeah, yeah for the, well, I was gonna say for those of you who don't know, um, Lewiston or like the Michigan area in general, um, this town is kind of in the middle of nowhere. It's a very touristy town. Um, you know, in the winter time, there's not a lot of people. I went to. Uh, my high school, or school in general, is actually two towns combined. It's Johannesburg and Lewiston. And even with that, my graduating class was 42 people. So it, it is a very small town. Um, but some of the cool things that actually help, like with the restaurant business, um, is, you know, we do get a lot of people up here on Fourth of July week, Memorial week. Um, and we do have a lot of things like snowmobiling and uh, ATVs and all that that really attracts everyone to actually come up here. So when I grew up here, we did all that stuff. We did snowmobiling. We did, you know, riding dirt bikes and riding the golf cart around. Like it was just, you, you don't get to do that really downstate. So there's trade-offs to obviously being down or down in a big city and being in, you know, the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and it was a little scary when we first bought the place because literally I think our first night open that we ran it um we are what we had eight customers and yeah. two of them were your mom and dad yeah so it was a we little had eight scary. or nine dinners that was um it. it was a little scary at first uh, it was almost a hundred dollars <laughs> lewiston is not off a major expressway so we are a destination miles, yeah. point so so people that come here are coming to lewiston um, so it, it, you have to really draw, but we draw from everywhere now. I mean, they come from Hillman, they come from Houghton Lake, they come from Gaylord. They, we draw from all over now. Um, and, and really we did it through word of mouth. We did not put much into advertising. I mean, we just couldn't afford advertisement. Right. Um, right. It was more or less, we figured if people would come here, we're, we've kind of become a destination spot, somewhere to hang out. A lot of people, we have a small motel. It only has 14 rooms, and some of them were old cabins from the 20s that they've kind of joined together and made it look like a hotel. So they're, some of them are quite a bit older. The hotel, I mean, or the motel, some of it was built 20s and the 40s and the 50s, and it was kind of all clumped together. But it's amazing how many people now uh, come up just to hang out for a day, you know, just, just yeah. to get out of the... They, I mean, Saginaw is two hours away, hour and a half away, and people are here all the time. They come up, they'll eat and leave they'll come up to eat and yeah. they'll leave so well it's cool too because you guys also like you said you're on the water so yeah. you have the dock and you people just pull their boats up dock the boat come in sometimes they just get to goes but sometimes they come in to eat and then they can get right back on their boat and go out again and i know fourth of july is like a huge like that happens a lot during the fourth of july yeah well yeah. what's really crazy is so now 28 years later we do as much in the month of July as we did our whole first year open. I mean, that's how our business wow. has grown. So um. I think a lot of places up here are seeing that, though. I mean, I, I it's starting to become uh, busier and busier. I don't really know. Like, we knew everybody. I'm talking everybody that used to walk in this place, we knew because it's different atmosphere. But now it's a little bit different. We, um, there's, we have a, a bed and breakfast that was bought behind us and turned into an event center. So um, that place bought... Quite a few uh, Airbnbs, I believe, or who they go through, I'm not sure. Um, but they do real well. They bring in people that, that Allie, even some of your husband's friends have rented. And, yeah. you know, and you guys did yeah. it for your wedding, um, which is, it's neat. It makes it available. It gives it something for somebody to do. 
a lot of people call and say, what, what is there to do up here? And I tell them, uh, not much. You're, you're going to make your own fun. Yeah. If you got a boat, go in the water. If you got a snowmobile, we go in the snowbelt. But season, like, area because we've got the morel mushrooms in the in spring, the spring. Yeah. we've got the atvs and then the summer of course you have fishing boating, yeah golfing um in the fall you have the hunting and then in the winter the snowmobiling so there yeah. is stuff to do all four seasons here right it's a huge retirement town a lot of people uh from you know south michigan ohio indiana uh illinois that's pretty much our clientele that come up they get into michigan once they're a few hours up they're in a different you know different yeah. realm um so they they uh they tend to enjoy themselves they come back and you know we get a lot of repeat customers it becomes a destination spot for a lot of people and like i said i tell them like people say are there hiking trails and you know we tell them that those trails have been there for 30 years just no one's ever used them right now they're starting to use them we're really it would, you know it would be nice if we could have a little more bike pass up here because Nobody rode a bike 30 years ago up here. Yeah. Uh, we didn't have any paved roads. So now asphalt's everywhere. You know, I had a, a street bike, a motorcycle, and I really got rid of it because there was no paved roads to ride it on. Right. So now I have a bunch of Enduros. But but there's a lot more paved roads. Like I said, there's a lot more people that, that come up here that use, you know, like like a lady stayed here last week, and I told her to go up the road, and there's a hiking trail off one of the, uh, you know, the Buttles hiking trail, and it's just oh, a yeah. little loop. There's two two loops. One's a couple miles. One's a little bit longer, and they had a great time. They had ticks all over them. And no. <laughs> well, yeah, and I think Lewiston too is uh, is doing good with you know they just redid the tennis courts in town. It um, looks awesome. They yeah. started uh, a couple years ago. They did the disc golf at Buttles, so they they yeah. are trying to advertise it a little bit more, especially in the winter because um, you know cross country skiing is a big thing here. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so going back to you guys like buying the lodge, like how. Did you come up with the name? Like, was that the name when you bought it? Or, because I know, Mom, it's, I know it used to have a different name, but I don't know if that was when you bought no, it or it not. it was called the Lakeview Restaurant when, when we, we bought, bought it. it. Yeah. But it had been called The Lodge in years past. So um, that's what everybody um, pretty much knew it as, and we wanted to bring that name back. It's the, the actual corporation name is Timothy's Lewiston Lodge, but we just call it The Lodge. There had been a lot of owners, and we tried to pick some names, and it was like, nope, registered, nope, registered, <laughs> nope, registered. Yeah. We didn't know there was 10 different owners in the last 20 years here, so yeah. it was recorded as a, you know, as an assumed name, so we just, Well, know, it was, what we were was advised it called? Just, it was called Gassel Island, yeah. yeah, originally. That's original, yeah. And if you look on a map, it'll say Gassel Island on East Twin Lake, because they were the ones who owned okay. it at one time. Okay. So I know you talked a little bit about how the lodge has changed, but how has it changed since you guys have owned it? What have you done to it since buying it in 1993? Oh, boy. <laughs> well, we shut down every year, um, mainly, For a few weeks. mainly when our kids were born, because we wanted to make sure we had some, you know, time with them. <laughs> um, so we shut down. We'll get into that yeah, later. Yeah. <laughs> we shut down the last week of March, first two weeks of April every year. Um, and that's pretty much our slowest time. And that's to do any major renovations, uh, maintenance, cleaning, stuff like that. So we have done quite a bit. I think the yeah. first thing we did was this room we're sitting in right now, which is our four season sunroom that overlooks the lake. This was actually half the size and the roof came down um, on a pitch to where you got to, what, six feet? Yeah. So, and there was a little pot belly stove in the middle. 
And uh, so it was really a three season room. You could not sit in it in the winter. However, it was funny because everybody, everybody wants to sit in this room and look at the lake. So literally people they would, would wear their snowmobile their winter jackets suits or their snowmobile suits to eat. And to eat. You yeah. couldn't even see out the windows because it was so frosted from being so cold. <laughs> so we knew this was one like of sitting the in a hunting first blind. things we had to do. So we called the uh, Four Season Sunroom and they, they redid this. Right, right. Then I mean, we got we, the glass and then we put, put an addition it in. on the kitchen because our kitchen is very small. Um, we pump a lot of food out of that kitchen. Yeah. Um, and then we were here for... Well, we did a lot in the hotel. Well, that's what I was um, saying. We were here two or three years, and we didn't do anything in the hotel. Yeah. And we started getting busier and busier, and we started getting some of Garland's overflow. Like, Garland would run... That's the, golf, a golf that's course. the big golf course in, in town. And they would run package, weekend packages. So people would come stay here on Thursday and then go to their package mm. on the weekend. And I'll never forget, you know, the one of the ladies comes in and she's just like, I'm sorry, I just can't stay here. <laughs> she's like, I need a refund. There's, there's rust in my tub or whatever. Because they had the old avocado green tubs. And, you know, of course, we had hard water here. We had to put a softener in. So, you know, there was rust in the toilets and the tub. It had the old shag carpet in all the rooms. And so at that point, we both looked at each other and said, okay, now it's time to put some money into the rooms. We need to redo the rooms. And we redid them together yeah um if there's it, it's funny because everybody always asks us how long have you owned it and i said well we've owned it 28 years but i get to double that because it, i work with my husband so it's really mm -hmm. been 56 because um if you ever work with your spouse mm -hmm. <laughs> it's it awesome a difficult. <laughs> so and but him and i redid all those rooms and we re-wallpapered all of them and every and so yeah, and Dad, you just redid a lot of the bathrooms, like what, two years ago, a year ago? Yeah, now? I still have a few to do. Yeah, but most <laughs> of them are... It's done. ongoing. You know, it was an old place, but it, like nothing's affordable where you can tear something down and, and you know, you got, when you're in business, you have to, you have to make sure that your, your income, you know, overcomes your outcome. <laughs> or you're out, out expenses. Well, and then know, we so. added on an outdoor patio seating yeah. and realized that we needed more indoor. So, so we covered all that. After that. We covered all that and then closed it. And now we've added on another outdoor seating, which we've, we've covered with seats about roof. 45 people. Um, so yeah, it, it's been, we probably did more add on out here and we really need to do some in the kitchen. Cause like I said, <laughs> it is tight back there. And we pump out a lot of food for that, yeah, <laughs> that size yeah. kitchen. Yeah. So I was just going to ask, on average, how many people do you think you get a day in your busy season, like the summertime? Oh, Lord. If you consider takeout and dine-in, we do, what, about 600 covers? Yeah, a day. Yeah. In the peak time. What about in the winter? So like the summer? Oh, about 100. Yeah, 100, 150 yeah. overall. You know, the weekend's in the... In the winter, so much more than the weekdays, yes. you know, because it's dark here at four right. o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. There's not much to do, and so business dies quite a bit in the winter during the week. Um, but still, it's it's like I said, it's getting busier and busier. A lot more people are retiring early. They have good retirements, and they love to come up north. And a lot of them have their parents' cabins from when they were kids. And we were lucky to get the 10 acres across the road, so we use that for um, overflow parking, employee parking, because our parking lot's quite small, and so it gets filled pretty quick, especially when you have all 14 rooms yeah. filled. Um, so that, you know, I don't remember when we acquired that, but yeah, you know, yeah. that's really been... Well, we've just had to do a lot of repairs. One thing, too, up north, you have... You have water and um, septic. You have well water, which you have to have your well, and you have to have septics. And me being so close to the water, there was a lot of things involved where we had to get 
500 feet away from the water because I'm a commercial okay. business. So yeah. we acquired some property and did the right thing. And they, you know, the township was great. They zoned us so that we could do it legally because, um, because a place like this is, you know, it's, it's an asset to a town. It's, it should be, you know, so it works out good. The township works great with us. They always have. Um, we, we try to do a lot, but, you know, your job sucks you in. You, you, our, our job is to keep everybody happy when they come up north, so we don't get to do a lot in town because we're out of town. But, you know, those busy weekends that bring in, that Lewiston brings in, it overflows to us, and, it, it you know, it's how we make our income. It, it works out real well. Yeah. So, Ellie, I want to ask, how was it growing up with parents that owned a restaurant? What was that like? Um, well, you're definitely um, expected to work, that's for <laughs> sure. Um, teaches you some good work ethics. Uh, I remember when I was, like, I think I was nine, um, I, I would help out in the summer. Like, just early in the morning, I would come in and help, like, do salad and things like that. And it kind of taught me, like, you know, how to work for money, you know, at a very young age. And, and then... Um, for those of you who don't know, uh, in Michigan, if your parents own a business, you can legally start working there when you're 13. So, uh, yeah, May 9th on my birthday, <laughs> 13 years old, I was answering for to-goes um, and started working full-time from there. Um, when we were younger, though, we actually, um, my parents were working all the time, especially because, like, I mean, the business was doing good when I was younger, but obviously, like, it's, it's better now. It's just constantly growing. But my parents had to work a lot, and I mean, excuse me. The at the time, I think the bar was open till two. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so my dad would come home super late. I I was always like a night owl, so I'd like wait, you know, have Lion King ready for him when he came home. I'm like, Dad, watch a movie with me at three a.m. And uh, but no, we um, Timmy and I actually had a babysitter, so we we were at our babysitters a lot. Um, but it was really nice because we did have that annual shutdown so we always got to do like a family vacation for two weeks so it was always like a guaranteed vacation we were always going to have and that was always super fun um we i mean timmy and i always look forward to that and then when we kind of started transitioning into the age of like okay we're old enough now we don't need a babysitter because our house was also in the middle of the woods it wasn't if something were to happen, we, we didn't want to necessarily be there left alone. So um, we were kind of in that transition stage of, okay, we can kind of stay at home by ourselves, but maybe on some of the later nights, not so much. So every now and then we would stay in the rooms. And, um, and sometimes it was good because we didn't have internet at our house. So if I needed to like write a paper or look something up like in school, like I could do it here. Um, so yeah, that worked out, but yeah, a lot of times it would just, we would, we would be in the rooms and, um, it was just always funny cause we were not allowed to get food from the time of like five to nine. And I just remember like one of my parents' bartenders, like she always like, just like felt bad. So she'd come out and she'd be like, okay, I ordered some chicken tenders to go and I put it under Sam, but I just wanted to give you guys some food <laughs> and like, it was just funny stuff like that. Like, um. But yeah, so then when I was 13, I started working. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was just after that, like it was just work, really. I mean, I worked I mean, quite bad, a bit. The bad thing was, is, you know, they we're a tourist town, so they had to work every holiday. They had to work every weekend. And believe me, it kept them out of trouble. Um, but uh, but it's they also missed out on a lot because... You know, they had to work all those weekends and stuff. But, but I bought my own car. That's I mean, right. I had money for college. Yep. So, it, I mean, it definitely, I don't necessarily see it as, like, a negative. I, 
I liked working and the people here become your family. So it's just cool. I mean, a lot of Shelby, you were there. There's a lot of employees came on my 21st birthday to Vegas. Like we just, there was, um, you just kind of get that little sense of like family with all of them. And so sometimes when the people have been here longer and then they leave, it's like kind of sad. Um, but we used to do a lot of stuff too. Um, I I just kind of remembered this, but mom, you can maybe talk about it. We used to do a lot of employee games, like competitions against each other and stuff. Well, because you got to try and keep the morale up. It gets very mundane, and and, and in the summer, it's it's just all out, and they get frustrated. So you just want to try and keep their morale up. So we did Survivor That was the fu- That was um, the funnest year was yeah. Survivor because we all had teams, and we all had to do these funny, like, food challenges. Like, the cooks would have to roll silverware because they don't roll silverware. Yeah. So, like... Things like that. And then each week we had to vote somebody out. And like, Well, and that was it. I was thinking I was building morale. And then I realized that when they voted them out, then, the, then they hated their team. And I'm thinking, okay, maybe this isn't building morale. But we've done like waitress bingo. We've done... Um, minute to win it. Minute to win it. Um, so, yeah, you just do kind of fun stuff to, to keep them... To just keep them interested. We haven't done it yet. But when Timmy went to college, he did a... I'm sure many of you know this, but the cardboard duct tape boat, like how far can you go? So after Timmy did that, like all the employees were like, oh, are we going to do that as a competition? So it would would be pretty fun with the water and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, you, there's just, it was fun. I mean, we, I made a lot of friends here. There's a lot of people who like watched me grow up. So, you know, they think it's weird that like when I did turn 21, they were like, oh my gosh, like you can drink now. And um, and we, not so much anymore just cause I do live downstate, but even in college, like I was working, you know, I would come home and work and, um, yeah. And it did make them grow up fast. Like they had to act responsible and mature. And so, you know, when, when they were here, because you, you can't have a kid at the door, even though they were, you know, so they had to grow up fast. But what, what's really funny is what they don't realize is, you know, they had access to, the best food. You know, my kids <laughs> grew up on lobster and shrimp. And I'm not saying it because they were spoiled. That's just, we just had, I never had food in my refrigerator. We just ate here. Styrofoam. And, and yeah. And um, so it was just kind of funny because Timmy, you know, would have to pack his own lunch. And so he'd, he'd take a wrap or a grinder or, you know, pizza or whatever. And all those friends were always like, man, you're so lucky. Well, he didn't know any different. He's always like, yeah, I had to pack a grinder again or whatever. <laughs> you know, he, he, found, he looked at it as a negative when yeah. all his friends at school were like, man, you got the coolest lunches, you know? And no, well, Yeah, so but the- he never got the applesauce in a box or nothing. Everybody else had a whole nine items that their parents would, and my kid would just have a big old grinder in front of him. <laughs> So they have to trade food off to get, you know, something besides bread as nourishment. (laughs) But yeah, no. And that was like another thing too with like the food because, you know, my parents cook, but at the same time they don't cook. There is never anything in our fridge. Um, Yeah, we would, all of our friends, like they're known for pizza here. Um, That's just one of the things. But um, everybody in town would be like, you can never get sick of Lodge Pizza. And I go, oh, you can get sick of Lodge Pizza. I think it's just a very... uh, you just really have to know the owners and have it every single day. Yeah, I was gonna say one thing that's nice is you were able to have like parties here and use this space for like, yeah. reception for your wedding. Yeah, my reception was here. My graduation party was here. Timmy's graduation. Actually, when I was little, we had 
um, awesome. We do Thanksgiving here with our whole family. We've done, um, what was it? Uh, Mame's anniversary. Oh yeah, right? we had an anniversary was... party. We did, um, you know, her funeral here. And, um, and, and that's the thing, you know, the nice thing about us owning it is that we're not covered by a franchise that tells us we have to be open certain hours or certain days. And so we came to the conclusion when we had kids that, you know, family was first and foremost. And so um, that, that always came first. And so we closed down for both our kids' graduation parties and we closed down for Tim's 40th birthday and my 50th birthday just to have fun. And I mean, that's what life's about. I mean, right. that's kind yeah. of... Yeah, so it was, I mean, it was fun. Uh, they still own it, so it's still, you know, I still get to see some of my old coworkers and stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, growing up, like, I mean, kind of like what my mom said, you kind of have to grow up quick because you got to be professional. I, I will have to say, I think the worst year for me working here was when I was 14 because I was just transitioning into, okay, I kind of, I want to host it. Well, I, I was hostessing, but my mom was like, I think you can start waitressing now. And so I would do like morning shift waitressing and we would get slammed in the morning sometimes. And I remember it was me and one other girl. And I kid you not, this entire restaurant plus the outside was filled. And she also had to work the bar and take to go orders and things like that. And I wanted to cry. It was so busy. I think I had, I'm not even kidding, 15 tables. Like, and this was probably my third day actually waitressing. I was going to say, we've had, <laughs> you and I, plus a couple waitresses, we've had a couple times where it's been so bad that we've either gone home and cried or <laughs> went in the back and cried and had a meltdown. Well, our, our business up here is never the same. I mean, if it's a beautiful Memorial Day like now, where it's a nice day, people go out and do stuff. If it's raining, they They're order here. pizza <laughs> yeah. or they go out to eat, you know, so we do a lot of to-goes and... I think weather has a lot to do with, you know, um, getting getting busy all at once. If it's awesome 4th of July week, we're busy, but it's consistent. If you get a bad day, you'll get, you know, like weather-wise, you'll get an influx of people at 11 o'clock in the morning, and you only really, it's hard to staff for that. You never know. So it's it's tricky on the busy times. So when you're slow, it's always slow. And it is busy. it is unpredictable, too, because even like 4th of July, if you would think if 4th of July is on a weekend, like the actual 4th of July, we're going to be crazy busy on the 4th of July. But if all of our 4th of Julys that have been on Saturdays, everybody's gone by 7, 8 o'clock because they want to go do stuff with their families. They want to shoot off fireworks. And I mean, we have a the marina puts on a great fireworks show on the lake. Um and you you would think that people would be here, but they're they're not. So well, because Joe Bird puts on a huge well, that's display, true. so yeah. everybody wants to get there and get their spot and be ready. And they do a parade and everything in town, so it does draw a lot of people that way. Yeah, and it's yeah. kind of nice for the employees though, because then we get a break, and then you can actually go outside and watch fireworks. So, right. but it is unpredictable. Like even with weather, sometimes you think you know it's a rainy day, so everybody wants to eat in, and then you get. Nobody's really eating in, but everybody's ordering, like you said, to-go orders. It, it really is unpredictable. Yeah, the winter's the same way. If you get if you get slammed on Wednesday with snow, you're crazy busy all weekend. If you get slammed on Saturday with snow where people can't even get out, you only have snowmobilers coming in because nobody wants to drive in that really, really heavy. I mean, they come up north to do stuff, but when it's like a blizzard... 
they don't nearly come out as much. If it's a couple days before they're calling us, we're the weather people, you know. How's the snow? <laughs> yeah. How's the trails? You know, and, and we want them to come out, but I'm honest with them. If there's no snow, I don't want them to think that they'll call us and we're just trying to get them up here, you know, and, you know, I want them to have fun. I mean, you know, that's why they come up north. That's why we all go up north. It doesn't matter, or down south or wherever your vacation spot is. You get to a certain zone and you're out of your realm of working every day. And, it, it, you know, that's the good thing about this place. 99.9% .9 of the people are happy. They are not, you know, they are up north, they're at their cabin, they're anywhere but where they are every day. So, you know, people from downstate that are listening, when you cross the Zilwaukee Bridge, it's kind of like a breath of fresh air. If you're on this side of the state, once you get off at like exit 202, which is Algier, Algier Rose, Rose City, um, it's it's like a whole nother, you feel like you're, you're, like you're up yeah. north, you know, you start to see all the farms and the deer and everything that, you know, you don't always see in the cities, you know. Well, now you see a lot of deer in the cities now, <laughs> but you never used to. Um, so it's a good thing. I mean, that was the whole reason of saying, let's move up north. You know, it's a little harder to work because it's not as routine. You know, the, a place downstate that we looked at the same year that we got this place, which was a couple hundred thousand dollars, um, it was $2 million. It was, it, you know, there was no way that kids at 25, 26 years old could buy anything on the water, let alone a right. house, but a, a business. But what made it affordable was um, it just it needed a little bit of work. And I think, you know, a lot of people that owned it, um, unless you were going to put your whole everything into it, it might not work. Um, right. Nowadays, things are a little different. You can slide into a business, and if you have a niche, people, they, you know, the internet, you guys doing po podcasts, it's all changed. It used to be you watched Channel 2, 4, or 7. <laughs> you saw what was on TV, and then you just did, went up north for the week. You know, it was a different world. So, uh, But most people, they, they like coming up north. It's still, I, I, I couldn't do this in the city. I wouldn't want it. I wouldn't want to do it. It's different yeah. here. Um, when you leave, you feel like you're still up north, you know, so. Yeah. So just to kind of like have some, you know, not so serious talk, um, are there like some funny stories that you guys know or remember of like the 28 years of owning this place that just you think it would be funny to like share? Well, the, the one story that has spanned over the 28 years is our little ghost Elizabeth. Oh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, we, we have a ghost here, and her name is Elizabeth, and she's a little girl. And well, we named her. We don't yeah. really know uh, her yeah, name. Right. Unfortunately, we were hoping to go back in the records and see if when there were rooms upstairs or whatever, if there was ever a little girl that died here somehow because... Um, we just want to know, and but you said the records got burned. Yeah, and it, Mount Rensselaer County has all the records, and um, I don't know if it was the 40s or the 50s, um, the county building burnt. So whatever records they could get out while it was burning, they put in the high school. Uh, a couple months later, the high school burnt to the ground. Oh so we really don't have a it lot of records. It wasn't meant to be. And Mount Rensselaer County was a huge, uh, I guess you'd say the business area. It took care of... A big area because there was nothing here. So until you got to Alpena to Traverse City, there really Gaylord was nothing. You know, back yeah, what it Grayling, is now. all that was you know that was just a town that was on the expressway. The expressway wasn't even built till I think 1959. In those towns, it was all little roads to get to them all. Um, so I think, um, I mean, I, 
I don't know. I'm just yeah. When did we? When did we first? When did she first kind of appear? Uh, what year was that? I think because I was working, but I think it was a little bit before. No, my we moved up with a couple that were our best friends who said they'd help us out get things started for a little bit, and um, he had just got spooked one night and said, "Hey, there's." I kept hearing, and we'd hear like I don't know weird noises upstairs, but this place is old, so you know those weird noises could be anything. It could be a yeah. raccoon. We don't even know. So, <laughs> so you know he he, it started one night. He kept saying, "No, I hear like." Little kids, little laughing, kids upstairs. laughing upstairs, you know, in the rooms. And, and I was like, ah, you don't know what you're talking about. And those about. rooms are all closed off right now. Yeah. We use it for storage up there. Yeah. So there's really tight stairs to get up there because um, it was built so long ago. And um, so they kept saying that there were, you know, they'd hear little little kids laughing upstairs or whatever. We had a couple employees say that. So he, he said that some dishes had fell off a shelf and kind of fell on the shelf underneath like it just flipped and and I'm looking at him like you know you don't know what the heck you're talking about you gotta quit drinking at work no and uh and it couldn't have been I don't know 10 minutes after that the cooler shut off really hard and we had these weird plates and they were like beveled and curved up at the end and it flipped out and landed in the shelf underneath and another plate did the same exact thing, and they were right on, on top of each other. So uh, the shelves were on top of each other. So I don't, I couldn't understand how the plate flipped, and it did it twice. So I got like super freaked out. <laughs> he closed that night. He was freaking out. Called me the next day and said, "Oh my God, it's haunted. Something's going on." And <laughs> and it just we started to have a couple couple things happen where people were just like, "Hey, you know," and. Um, you know, I heard some weird noises last night, and um, One we had a couple we came people. In and all the dishes were um, shattered on the floor, yeah. all the salad plates. Yeah. And then um, we did have a customer that was sitting in the bar, and uh, he claims, and he knew nothing about the story. You know, it's not something we ever talked about. And he left and went outside and would not come back in. And when he Tim had an was, employee pay for his dinner because he said, I'm not going back in there. And, and Tim went out and talked to him and he's like... No, I didn't talk to him. I he, looked over... It was he, when he came back. He said, I looked over and saw a little girl standing there. He goes, and as plain as day. And then he's like, and then she was gone. And he's like, I'll... He goes, I won't come back. And his buddy <laughs> with him... And his buddy with him said the same thing. And, and the guy says, you know, I don't believe in any of that crap. He goes, but I'll tell you what. I saw... He said, a little girl with red hair. He goes, I could, he goes, it was like looking at somebody looking right through him. He said, he was, she was standing next to my buddy. He looked over and went, oh. And when he looked, he said, you know, all of a sudden she was gone. And he goes, and I had this feeling that I just need to get out of here now. You know, he was, he's 60 years old. The guy says, I, I'm not, I don't believe in ghosts. I'm not afraid. And I think that was the first time we. It took him three years to walk back in the door. Wow. Then he told me the story. That's, it wasn't that night. He had had one of my employees, his neighbor, pay for his meal and said, I didn't mean to walk out. I'm done. We, me and my buddy left. And it was kind of freaky. And we, I mean, every once in a while, something happens. Like I had a guy, guy says, oh, I heard your place was haunted. And I had known him forever. And, and he goes, well, you know, I go, it's up, upstairs. We keep hearing stuff, whatever. So he went up there for, you know, and he's a big burly guy. And, you know, and. <laughs> In about two minutes, he's like, I wouldn't even sleep up there. Are you kidding me? And I'm like, why? He's well, like, I don't really, know. I just don't like I didn't feel comfortable. What's and, really funny is it was Allie funny. growing up, 
was all about scary movies, all about paranormal. <laughs> she loves that stuff. And so I think it was, I don't remember what birthday it was. We were like, okay, we're going to do a sleepover here <laughs> in the restaurant. We'll get out the Ouija board, you know, and we were all set to do it. And then I was like, you know, she's been a really good ghost. I hate to like conjure anything up and it'd be bad. So we just, we skipped it. We were like, forget it. We're not yeah, doing and there it. was there was a time too where, yeah, like the employees would hear it. There was, I remember one year where it was pretty active. Like the employees didn't like to go upstairs by themselves. Um, and these stairs too are like, they're like ladder steep. Like it's like going up and down a ladder. And so you can't run down them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there and I remember your one bartender used to see shadows all the time. And so um, when this guy actually said he saw a little girl, that's when we named her and we were like, oh, Elizabeth. So it kind of was like a joke. And, you know, some people, if they heard noises, we'd always joke around and be like, oh, it's just Elizabeth. She's fine. Um, but the one time I remember... Um, you guys had just put cameras up and they, they weren't night vision. So when the lights were out, when it was dark, you couldn't see anything. And I came in the next morning, I was um, waitressing. And we when we vacuum, we have to move all the chairs and stuff. So I go into one of the rooms and all the chairs are lined up around um, the wall. And I was like, I was just instantly annoyed. I was like, are you serious? They didn't put the chairs back last night. What the heck? So I called um, my mom, I think, a co like towards the ends of my uh, that towards the end of my shift, and I was like, yeah, um, the person who closed last night they didn't they didn't put the chairs back, and my mom was like, oh well, I'll I'll ask them or whatever. So she asked, and she was like, no, I put the chairs back last night. So my mom was like, well, we'll just check the cameras. She's probably lying or something, you know. Well, we checked the cameras, and you saw her put all the chairs back. The lights went dark. Time lapse to the morning. All of the chairs were around the wall. <laughs> we had that happen twice. One time the chairs were stacked in the corner, like not completely stacked on each other, but I came in and it looked like everything had moved to the corner. And I'm sitting there thinking, what was up with my bartender last night? And I can't remember. It was a while ago. And, and I, I don't know if you remember, but now that you bring that up, I, you know, I was like, what, what did you do? Did you yeah. vacuum or, yeah. and they're like, I moved the chairs back. And I'm like, I don't think so. <laughs> and, and I think we looked on the camera and they were, we saw them pushing the chairs in where they should belong. And they were all in one corner. I mean, everyone, I'm here a lot by myself. Um, and I don't, I mean, it doesn't, you know, you, sometimes you think of stuff and you get goosebumps and all that. <laughs> but I'll tell you, sometimes it, when I'm here at two o'clock in the morning, and stuff starts making creaking noises and stuff that I haven't heard. I mean, I've heard just about everything. Um, you get the chills. You want to get out of here fast. It's not, I mean, I don't, it's just a creepy thing, you know? Yeah. And, and this isn't uh, something that like happens when you right. come here. Customers right. don't, yeah. don't see ghosts no. and things like that. Um, but, but just working here and being here all the time, you do, you know, have those stories. And we've had some other crazy things happen. And when we first got here, there was a tornado that touched down right here on East Twin Lake. And Twice. So like he said, friends of ours moved up to help us run the place the first couple of years while he was here, um, Tim and I were downstate. Getting ready something. for our Getting wedding. Ready for our wedding, and so he was here, and he didn't know what to do, so he's, he's <laughs> gathering all the uh, customers and making them go in our tiny little walk-in, because he was like, that was the safest place he could find, and um, then, uh, the, then we had a pig roast the one uh, Memorial weekend. We did an outdoor pig roast, and uh, our two dogs, we were living here in room four at the time, 
and because we didn't have a house yet, and um, our dogs went out and drank all the pig fat that was dripping <laughs> off of it and ended up throwing no. up. Well, they looked like pot-belly pigs, oh and we couldn't God. figure out what the dogs did, and we're like, something's wrong with our dogs. Well, they had their face was full of grease. And oh, no. So we put them in the room, <laughs> and they um, threw up in whatever orifice <laughs> was oh everywhere. God, we threw everything awful. away. We threw the couch <laughs> away, <laughs> the chair away. It was awful. Um, Time to get new I, carpets. <laughs> probably, probably the thing that I remember the most was um, when I first got here, we used to stay open probably later than we were supposed to. But, you know, it'd be like 2 o'clock. So you'd get people out by 2.30, 3 o'clock. Well, about 11 o'clock at night, me and somebody else was bartending, and some guy came in, and he was just out of control drunk, just Shouldn't have been out. His buddy was with him, and I'm like, you need to get this guy out of here. He's, he needs to go home. I mean, not because he was obnoxious. He was just too drunk. Just had too much to drink. Nice guy, you know. And So his buddy takes him out the door, and that's it. And then about 2.30 in the morning, I'm vacuuming three hours later, and I hear this, you know. I'm like, what is that noise? So the guy is sleeping in the corner underneath the chair, and I'm like, what are you doing here? And it's the guy I told two hour, three hours ago, you're too drunk, you need to go home. Well, I guess his buddy wasn't really his buddy. He was just someone he knew. And the guy had drove his boat here. So he started his boat. And when he pulled the, the recoiler on the boat, he fell out of the boat. And it went across the lake full throttle. And the next day, we found it 100 feet up shore right in front of somebody's pitcher window. So oh he took, I don't, he, all he knows, he fell in the water and the boat took off. So the next day he was looking all over it, couldn't find it. Well, two days later when the people came up, there was a boat with a 25 horse motor right in front of their house and went up the shore, <laughs> missed every pontoon, everything on the lake in the middle of the night, it missed docks and went right up in between, right in so I, I mean, it's not funny, but it was the funniest thing I can remember. I laughed. I could not believe that that guy fell out of his boat, and where he took off at the end of my dock, it was six feet deep. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't even know how he made it back to land. I thought he was with somebody. I felt bad, um, but it was funny. It was quite an episode. Um, and we had, wouldn't wish it on anybody, but it was funny. We had a um, paddle boat here for a while. I don't know if you guys still put it out, but it was it was here for a while, and we would get so many times where people would be like. Oh, I took the plug out, and so the paddle boat started sinking. So we just left it in somebody's yard and, and walked back. Yep. So then me and my brother or my boyfriend at the time, we would have to go find where they thought they left this, per walk through all these people's yards yeah, yeah. to so get this paddle boat and then, like, basically drag it back in the middle of the night. It was... Yeah, it's basically seven miles of shoreline, and we have to yeah. walk around it looking for, a, you know, a paddle boat that's ours. Um, but I mean, we had a lot of, a lot of crazy stories. Most of it's employee related because, you know, we work together. Like Ali said, you really are close. I mean, we, we go on vacation with some of our employees because they do a lot for us. We could not do it without them. You know, you think you can, no you really, you know, people, I think now more than ever because of COVID, you, you really do respect your employees. I don't know if, if they respect the employer like they used to, things are different now. Um, but, you know, because for a while we're all getting some money not doing nothing. When all that goes away, it changes. And you realize as an owner in any business, without your employees, you can't do it. I mean, they literally are the backbone of your establishment. And if they, 
I mean, like I said, we get along with our employees. And when we work side by side, they're your friends. It's no different. Yes, we're the boss, but, you know, we're always the ones that make it happen. And they, they just implement it with us. You know, we couldn't well, do it without them. There's I no way. I joke how, you know, working with your spouse, it's, you know, I can double the years or whatever. But that's another thing. I, I don't think that Tim and I could do this without each other. There's a lot no. of stuff that he does that. Yeah, there's too much. I mean, I can't. And there's a lot of stuff I do that he can't. So um, we really are a team in this. Yeah, this year in COVID, we actually shut down on Sundays now. I mean, Sunday was one of our biggest days. Once my employees, I, I don't have enough. And once I lose that staff by Saturday the weekend, we're basically shutting down on Sundays to give these people who do everything for us a break. Just to, you know, give them a chance to go out and do something. Because it's hard when you work six days a week. And it's in, you know, this type of business. Anybody that's listening to this that knows... Uh, hospitality, it's in your face all the time. So you got to make the best of it. Nobody give, You can't have a great day unless you're the person saying, I'm going to have a great day today. Nobody comes in and gives you $100 and says, and for nothing, you, know, moved, you work for when it. When we first moved up here, the deal kind of was, because we did have Ken that moved up with us to help you, um, that I was basically going to do the books. I was going to be the accountant. and um, that Yeah, has, you worked at different spots. And then, right? yeah, I had my real estate license, so I worked in selling real estate for a while, and then I went over to Thunder Bay in Hillman and worked at a, clinic. a financial um, office there. Um, but it was just... I would get off work there and then he would need me here. So it was kind of like I was doing double duty and it was like, okay, I got to, I got to pick and choose what, yeah. what I do. Yeah. So I yeah. I think by doing it together is what the difference, if, you know, I mean, like I said, things are different now, but back then it was a lot more like the upper peninsula than it is now where it seems like a little bit more of the suburbs Touristy. of downstate. Yeah. yeah. Because even, you know, even in the UP, you go to certain areas and, um, it's just, you know, the people just, they like to vacation, they like to go somewhere. Yeah. So we don't like to talk about COVID too much just because we know it's like such a negative topic. But do you just want to maybe say some of the things that like changed through the lodge just because of COVID? Like the seating capacity and things like that. Like what well, did you guys have to do? Yeah, like Sunday was an issue, like I said, just because of employees. It's hard. We should have 40 to 42 employees. We have 30 maybe. Um, so it's hard. So... COVID, uh, a lot less people go out late now. I mean, it used to be like people were always looking to go out 10, 11 o'clock. You go to the bar, you go hang out. You can't do that now because you can't drink and drive. There's no way, which is smart. It keeps people off the road. But now people at 8 or 9 o'clock, they're done. They're, they are ready. Unless they're weekend warriors ready to party, they are done at 9, 10 o'clock. Shelby knows the feeling. <laughs> but, uh, well, I'm, I'm but, the person who's done. Yeah, <laughs> but up here being a tourist town, we didn't feel the effects of COVID no. like other places did because everybody had their cabins up here. They could work from home. We do now have pretty good internet up here. So they were all coming up here to their cabins and yeah. working from there. Um, so we stayed busy. Sales and, and even when we were to-goes only, it was crazy. Yeah. Like we did a ton of to-goes. We got then a lot of support from the town. When here. they opened back up, um, for dine-in, our to-goes still stayed at 50%. Like, we were still doing 50% to-goes, 50% dine-in. So um, I think the thing that probably hurts the most is the 50% capacity. Yeah. It's yeah. really hard to stay at 50% and not... And I mean, literally within, you know, uh, 45 minutes of starting dinner, you're now at a, an hour and a half wait because all these people just sat at your 50% 
you know, mm -hmm. capacity, and they all have to get their food and eat. Yeah, so. when you're in business, what I mean, we had, like I said, town was great for us, but when you're in business, you can't survive on 50%. No. And if somebody can, you need to stay in that business because <laughs> nobody, most businesses work at 10 to 20%. That is it. I mean, that means if you did $20 million or whatever, you might have a million dollars to pay your bills and, you know, whatever. That's how it works. And a lot of people don't understand that. But I, like I said, I th or like you guys were asking about COVID, to me, like what, what Shannon was saying is uh, definitely true because people came up. It didn't affect our business, but, but it affects the way a lot of people, like at first we felt kind of obligated to say, oh, we have to do this, we have to do this, because they expect, mm -hmm. people expect, you know, in, in hospitality, we didn't want to disappoint them. But at the same time, it was almost more people than we could really do. So well, the 50% was kind of good for a while. Yeah, that's the thing too. Uh, another thing I, that I just know was a challenge when I would come up here or if I worked, um, people would come in and for a while, they because they thought they were up north, they didn't want to abide by the rules. Yeah, that They didn't, they didn't want to wear a mask. They didn't, and I mean, basically it, it was kind of, you know, some of the comments were a little mean, but they would basically be like, well, you're in the middle of nowhere. You don't have to follow these rules. And it's like, but we do. So yeah. you need to wear a mask, not just because you're well, up north. And our governor cut our state into different yeah. sections. So we were more open than Detroit. Yeah, and so we were with the, the UP. When they would come up from Detroit, you know, they felt that they didn't have to wear the masks or the social distance or whatever. But they caught on. I mean, um, when things didn't lighten yeah. up right away with COVID, people were good about it. Like yeah, I said... It, it wasn't that it was bad. Now, you know, I know you don't want to, we don't want to dwell on COVID. It was no. a terrible thing. You don't want anybody, but you know, in business, it's tough. P places like Ford well, and, we really you know, Google, they we can survive. Well, we Seattle for Allie's wedding. That's when we really saw the effect of COVID on businesses. Those yeah. places were boarded up. They had signs saying, you know, we're, we're moving, we're done. We're I mean, we were informed when we were out there, two to three million people operate through Seattle, like every day. Um, it's and it was like, a ghost town. Well, it's like New York and Manhattan. When we went there, uh, you know, the guy says 9 million people go through Manhattan a day, a day. 3 million people work, 3 million people live there, and 3 million people vacation there every day going in as... So when that disappeared, we saw it in Seattle. We went to a restaurant that sat, I think, 104 tables, the lady said. There was nine people in the entire restaurant on a Thursday or Friday night when we looked at our cameras back in Lewiston in Michigan and we were in that restaurant, we were full with an hour wait. And, yeah. and it was just, you know, and those are the people that... People got scared of cities for a while. They didn't want to go. Yeah, even I feel bad, them. though. Those, I mean, we literally we went to a really Thai saw. restaurant and I think everybody working there was their family. I mean, it was a, a Thai family working their butt off. The same guy cooking was bringing out our food and they were downtown Seattle looking at the Space Needle I don't think it could be any in a busier spot. They had no help. Nobody was there. Every business downtown was saying, "We're not closing. We're just looking for a new location." Yeah. Um, they were boarded up. They were they were letting people do what they wanted, and, and it was it was sad to but see now, the business. Now things are starting to open up, and I, they're putting the work requirement back on unemployment. So we're hoping that you know people will start coming back to work and. Um, we can build our staff back up. And right. Yeah, it's getting a little better. So. Right. Okay, so how do you come up with uh, the menu? Kind of going over to food yeah. now. Like, Well, Allie should know this because we've <laughs> taken her to a couple food yeah. shows. Um, I've we, actually d done some of them for yeah, events. Test we go, kitchens. We, we went, went to food shows and test kitchens. Cisco yeah. always does a test kitchen for us. Where Gordon's, where both cooking. of them. 
just for us. We take um, some of our employees there. You're in a simulated kitchen, and they're cooking dishes just for us. To they're really good in. about, you know, we're Midwestern, so we're kind of meat and potato type yeah. as compared to you might go out west, and it's lighter food, a lot of fish, stuff like that. You know, it's meat and potatoes. We're farmers, Midwest. So when we go to Grand Rapids, which is our foodie town in Michigan, um, it kind of gives us what's the next thing coming. You yeah. know, we like we sell ahi tuna, which is raw seared tuna. It's raw. You sear it, put it on a salad. Um, 20 years ago, we couldn't have gave it away. You know, yeah. now we run out. We can't even keep it, you know. So I think why we go to these test kitchens and we see what they're doing like they say, oh, from Chicago. Chicago's a perfect example. They're a big yeah. foodie city. Gordon's so, took us to Chicago on, yeah. a, on a, yeah. a restaurant. On a restaurant tour crawl. for three days. Yeah. It was awesome. Took us to the, you know, but some of those restaurants that were the number one, um, two years later, they're out of business. Yeah. Because yeah, they just fast. boom, boom, yeah. boom, you know. And and one guy, like uh, one bartender guy that won the first bartending contest had a drink bar in Chicago, just drinks. And they had one table with a two-top on it. And it was six months to get a reservation. They only served one dinner a night. That Everything was else was drunk. Everything else, you stood, no seats, no nothing. And it was an industrial park. But that's when best bartenders, all that started. Yeah. So the, yeah. the winner of the first season actually opened up this really cool bar, you know, like, and he would pay his ice guy 60, 70 grand a year just to make just ice to cubes. make different shaped ice cubes. And he would buy tackle <laughs> boxes crazy. at uh, Big Bass Pro Shop with these cool designs and he'd make sure they'd fit in the glass. And then they would serve a certain drink, like with, uh, you know, you get a little steel ball and a rubber band, you'd break the ice and, and yeah. then your ouzo would cool. come out of the middle. Yeah. And it was some pretty neat stuff, but we get ideas through that. Through drinks, we don't through food. Get many of our ideas from the food shows. We like to go to them. It, it kind of gives our employees a break to get out of here. This is food see. shows. Test kitchens are different. Yeah. Um, the food shows are a lot more um, fried foods. And a lot more pre made stuff. We do a lot from scratch. Yeah. I mean, we make our own honey walnut butter, we make our own maple cinnamon butter. Um, we cut our own, like, we clean our own chicken breasts. Yeah, we, we make a lot of our dressings. Um, I mean, but to so, us, that's a draw. I think people know yeah. the difference. And, you know, some of the national chains, they do it right because they do everything the same. If you go to one restaurant in one town and it's, say, Applebee's and it's Applebee's in another town, same food. It's exactly what yeah. you know what you're getting. Yeah. That's the advantage of a, a, a franchise, you know. The bad thing about a franchise is you're paying someone to do that. And if you can have the knowledge of not paying that 7 8%, but it's hard to. Um, that's where your profit is for us. I'm not saying for all people. So I think the draw to get that seven eight percent is to make homemade. You know, yeah. we make our bread. We make our, and a we lot of people, are, especially yeah. people like our parents, people that grew up cooking, they know the difference. Yeah. You know. Well, and I was gonna say that too. That was another perk of growing up in this specific restaurant. Um, I know the difference between bagged and not bagged food. So yeah. when I'm at a restaurant and I'm eating, and sometimes it's not terrible but i can tell the difference between when something's homemade and yeah. when something's like we not make all of our soups from scratch yeah and that's something we've always the done. pizza dough the I, grinder yeah. bread one thing i did learn at when we go to the the food shows which is just a big huge food place to eat fried stuff stuff that's already pre-made yeah. i mean they have great you can get discounted steaks it really lets you know what's out there um, is they have seminars we'd make a deal right. with our employees that you have to go to one seminar i don't care what it is but you have to go to one because if I'm going to, you know, these big places would put us up. They'd buy our rooms. They'd take us out to dinner. 
Um, so during, we'd make him go to one educational, one hour, and one guy um, who, uh, uh, I want to say his name is Ken Wesco. Um, not sure of his last name, how to pronounce it at, at, at right now, if my memory serves me right. Um, and he is Gordon's best motivational speaker ever. And he said one thing 28 years ago when I went to a thing, <laughs> and it stuck with me. Your place is only as good as your worst employee. So one employee... You know, it might be the guy doing the dirty dishes or the guy making a bad drink or the guy who left the chicken on the counter that has food point. He screws up your whole restaurant. So I stress that to everybody that works here. Listen, man, we are a team. There, I mean, there is no I in, in team, well, except I, in the middle of the a-hole. I have, to, <laughs> so, I you have know. to laugh because so one of the seminars I went to 25 years ago and what stuck with me, and it's funny because... You will, if I'm out hosting, you will see me bend down and pick stuff, stuff off the floor all the time. And I always have customers say, you must be the owner because you're the only one that bent down and picked that up. And it's because in one of the seminars, they told me that your table should always look like that customer is the first person sitting there. So I make sure everything is off the floor before that, that, before they sit there, which, you know, it's hard to get. It's funny that she that. says that. So we, so 25 years later, we get this Ken guy to show up at our restaurant with Gordon's, who was nice enough to bring him. And he says, hey, so I walk into this really nice restaurant before ours. And he says, and I say to everybody, hey, you know, how's the place look? You know, and of course the employees are like, oh, we take pride in this and that. And he goes, could you imagine walking into this restaurant? And he shows them a picture and there's cigarette butts and everything. And. And they're going, oh, my gosh, we don't let that happen. He goes, I just took this picture before I walked in the door. It's your restaurant out front. He said, first impression is everything, whether it's at your table. So I'm usually the guy picking up cigarette butts because smokers just <laughs> like, And they're always like, he must be the owner because no one yeah. picks up cigarette butts. Yeah. I mean, I come in and my hands have cigarette butts all over. You know, I don't – because, you know, it's, it's just people notice that. Um, and, he, and here's another thing. I hope I get some credit from this guy one day. But he did say, you know – and. It, Gordon's always has very, I mean, Cisco does too. Those are our two big distributors. Those are our main guys. They treat us both great. I mean, I couldn't, you know, they both do a great job. But his biggest thing was, you know, people used to, it used to take 28 minutes for them to judge your restaurant. They're driving down the road. They see a billboard. So then they're like, oh, let's try this. Then they drive in your parking lot. And then they're kind of, hey, do we go in? Then they walk in and then they get sad. Then they look at the menu and they're like, you know, we'll give this place a shot. And well, so by the time it's all done, you're at 20, 25 minutes before they really decide if they like their place. Yeah. 10 years ago, it was two minutes. When internet started, he goes, you have two minutes. They are on the internet. They're getting your reviews, everything. Now, last year, before I retired, he says, you have 30 seconds for them first impression of yeah. your restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. 30 right. seconds is what they have. Because they already know. You don't even yeah. need a sign. They already have where the restaurants are. <laughs> yeah. He said, you know, in, in everything... He says, because he worked the business, makes sense, you know? And I kind of use him as a rule of, you know, or, or I don't know, I'm not sure the word I'm looking like for. Rule of thumb. Kind of like a rule of thumb to, uh, to say, what would this guy do? Because he has worked in Chicago, you know, big place, Chicago, San Francisco. He's worked for one of the biggest few, you know, one of the bigger food distributors in the United States. Um, but he knows how to talk to people. He has this, and, and what I got from him 
another thing, um, <laughs> is you, you have to set the mood. You always have to be excited because nobody's excited to work. So if you're like, hey, we are here to make money, this is and if you don't want to make money, leave because you're dragging us all down. You get a team of employees behind like that, which we kind of do. We, we almost always yeah, do. Yeah, we stress to our employees that nobody, especially because they're all up here on vacation, nobody cares what kind of day you've had. Nobody cares what's going on in your personal life. Nobody yeah. cares if you're tired or you know you didn't get any sleep last night. You don't let them know that stuff. You just need to go and be pleasant to the table, yeah. be happy that they're here. And so we stress that a lot with our employees. But getting back to how we do our menus, we, aside from all that, we have also been lucky enough to have three or four actual chefs come yeah. in and work. They don't work long because our kitchen is so small, we're more of line cooking, and a lot of chefs like to be these creators. Well, we don't have time for that here because we're pumping out 600 mm -hmm. dinners in you know a three-hour period. So... Um, but they do come in, and they and if we even get them for three months, we get some really good ideas. Yeah. And some of our top sellers came from those chefs. Yeah, so yeah. A couple yeah. of them That's came nice. in and said, "You need to try this. This will be staple on your menu." And I was like, "This is the grossest thing I ever <laughs> ate." But actually, it is two or three things he did are just they are number one things. And yeah. I'm so like, what are do you well? Want to and talk Tim about has that learned a, a lot from them too because, like I said, up until then he's been in the pizza business, so you know he knows pizza backward. Forward. Well, when I first got here, we had a chef, but, so I was the guy out front. So then I started cooking. But now he, from learning from them, he can go to any restaurant and taste a sauce and be able to replicate it. So that helps us too, because if we go somewhere and have a dish we like, he figures it out and we bring it back here and put it on our menu. So it <laughs> yeah. works out really good. <laughs> so do you just want to maybe briefly go over like just some of your best sellers, a couple of them, just to kind of... Favorite, favorite items in the menu? Not that this is my favorite, but our biggest seller is our maple vinaigrette dressing that we make. Um, I actually bottle it now, and I sell at least um, a case to two cases a week. Um, if I could ship it, I, we, we'd probably go through 10 cases a week because everyone's like, please ship it to me, but I haven't even learned to get into that yet. But that is probably one of our biggest sellers, and that goes with our Michigan salad, which we got that recipe from one of the chefs. Um, it's just a perfect combination, and that is by far probably our biggest selling salad. If you want to go over the fish, yeah, we just we sell a lot of cod for some. I mean, Michigan fish fry is a big thing, yeah. and it used to be haddock thirty years ago. Well, then that changed the market. It became cod. It's a white, flaky, fluffy, not real dominant. So people would eat fish. Um, churches they use cod, all that. Um, we just we bake a lot of it. It's not really deep fried. We are definitely a retirement community, um, and they don't eat a lot of deep fried stuff. You know, the older everybody gets, the less deep fried stuff you want to eat because you feel it. So we bake it. Um, well, it's it, a Parmesan baked, and we got that recipe from a chef too, and yeah. that is by far our yeah. biggest number one seller on our menu. Yeah, we limited our menu this year because because of COVID. That was one thing too. Um, you're really limited what you can get. Mm -hmm. We sell yeah. black Angus beef, and you know when it's normally fifteen, sixteen, eighteen dollars a pound. You know, right now it's twenty six dollars a pound. It, it's more expensive than what we sell it yeah. for. So yeah. you really have to, you know shop around a little bit and COVID had a lot to do with that so we limited our menu this year just to try to make sure we could keep our cod a couple steaks uh, a pork dish some chicken dishes not you know like a lot of places you go and you have 500 things to pick from we're not really that place we're more or less 
We probably do 15 main items. That's it. Uh, we sell a lot of appetizers. Last year, we probably had 30 or 25 apps on our menu. This year, we have about 10 or 12. It, it, we had to cut it back. There's so much. And, you know, when, when you're trying to put out all that food, you really have to be somewhat organized. So, yeah. And if you're not getting the product, then you're just telling everybody, I can't get that. I can't get that. And, you know, they don't, they don't really want to hear that. And we don't expect to tell them that. We just want to make it so when they come in, they can look at the menu. So COVID had a lot to do with how much we could order. Yeah, quality. Yeah. Our too. barbecue ribs are a huge seller too. We do yeah. a barbecue baby back rib, and um, we sell out of them on Thursdays. That's our. That's the night we put them on special. But we sell a ton of them. They fall off the boat. Yeah, we, we make fifty slabs and them, you know, we'll sell long, you know seventy, yeah. eighty half slabs and you know. But like I said, when people are on vacation, they want to go out and eat, and they want to eat fast. And we're on the water, so as they're waiting, they're watching pontoon boats drive by, and people skiing and. <laughs> So and they, they want to be doing that. Yeah, so when their food's done, they want their bill, they want to go. And that's what we do. We try to, it's hard because, you know, the workforce Saturday's can't keep up Saturday's the only night we do prime rib because we slow roast ours all day. Yeah. We do not yeah. get it pre-cooked. Um, no. Like I yeah. said, everything pretty much, almost everything pretty much starts from scratch here. And um, so, yeah, Saturdays we do prime rib and... Um, what Allie had mentioned earlier, when she goes to a restaurant, she can tell the difference between something that is pre-made and something that's not. You can tell when you eat chicken if it's pumped with MSG. Yeah. Um, none of that is is done here. So. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for coming on, being our first guest speakers. Um, can, do you want to talk about can people order online here? They can get gift cards online. Or? Yeah. Yeah. So, mom, do you just want to? You guys are on Facebook. We're on Facebook, and then um, we have a, a new website, and uh, which now you can do online gift card ordering. Um, we are currently working to get online food ordering. Um, Tim and I are not very computer savvy, <laughs> and we really don't like change, so this is a big deal for us. Um, my son-in-law, however, is very into um, the top technology and wants us to get on board with this. Uh, that will probably launch at a slower time yeah. in December. Um, but you can order gift cards online. Because the problem we have now is we get so busy in here that when we start getting an hour wait, we like to um, get the people flowed through here. So we will stop to goes every once in a while um, just to let the kitchen catch back up to get people fed in here and through in a timely manner. Mm -hmm. um, and so when you have online ordering, it's kind of hard to do that start and stop. Yeah. Yeah. So we have to work out some tweaks and yeah. see how we'll bring that on. But Well, another thing is, you know, when we stopped to go, some people were like, oh, we did all these to-goes for this long and now you're stopping them. We only do it because we can't keep up. Yeah. We, we make our pizza dough when we run out. We, we have to save for whatever we think is coming in the door because if you guys were waiting... You know, for an hour for a seat and you want to sit down and have pizza, you really don't want to be out. Yeah. Right. So we do kind of put our in-house people to make sure we have enough product. Not that we don't want the to-goes, but most people are really understanding, but some people have never worked in hospitality. Yeah. They don't understand that, like somebody will say, well, just make more dough. Well, when you make it, there's a process and it takes hours yeah. and then it has to get cold. And, and you, you said, you like you it. said, the kitchen's very small. We can yeah. only hold so much, you know. Right, right. 
But okay, well, cool. Um, it's thelewistonlodge.com, correct? Correct. The Lewiston Lodge used to be Lewiston Lodge, but it's thelewistonlodge.com. If you want to go check them out, um, you can look at their menu. And if you are from the area, or maybe if you haven't come to Little Lewiston, but you you know you go to Gaylord or even Traverse City, um, come check them out. I mean, they have a motel right on the water, um, so you know you can do all the fun boating stuff. You can rent boats from the marina. The prices here are not too expensive, anywhere from ten to twenty dollars for you know a dinner, and um, the motels. I know you guys change. Anywhere changed. from sixty to hundred dollars. Yeah, so so come check them out. Look them up on Facebook, and like I said, the LewisLodge.com. Thank you guys. This is Tim and Shannon Lapointe. Thank you. Coming in for a Thank landing. Thank you. This is episode nine. Bye guys. Bye.